0: The Athletic. Hello, welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club on The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletics' Aston Villa writer, Greg Evans. Ollie Watkins has become the first Villa player to score for England since Darren Bent in 2011 and we're here to discuss the New England man. We'll also be opening the mailbag and answering some of your questions as well. And don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts including this one. All you gotta do is go to the athletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of this special discount. That's the athletic.com slash and you'll get a forty percent discount. Greg. You OK? We may as well start with what you've been up to with your with your pieces recently. You've had something go out this morning, haven't you? So early, I haven't even had a chance to read it yet. Yeah, so early, I forgot that it was
1: actually going out as well. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I thought I thought I'd look ahead a little bit to the to the to the summer transfer window for Villa and, uh, you know, just just um, assess really what's going to go on. Uh, this summer, they're going to be very ambitious and, and looking to move into, you know, new markets. And and I also had to look back at uh, the 2019 experiment almost of, of, of recruiting from Belgium and, and and looking in the Belgian market. Um, yeah, you know, there were players like Wesley, Samata. Um uh, obviously Trezeguet Trezeguet, and Bjorn Engels um, you know had ha, have sort of links to Belgium as well they've played there and, and obviously one of them represents Belgium as well. Um, the Camber obviously followed Wesley from Club Bruges as well. So yeah, it was just a look back at why they they, they went into the the Belgium market really ahead of other markets. Um, as we all know it was it was a tough tough window for Villa wasn't it when they got promoted They needed to put a team together very quickly. so um, it was just looking. Uh, looking at that, really, I won't give too much away without reading the story. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's been been a, been a bit of a difficult week for me. Really, I've been quite sick after the after the COVID vaccine um, surprised me, knocked me for six, and and, and I missed the Tottenham game. I, I couldn't get to the game because I was bed bound. So yeah, not not been the best of weeks, mate.
0: Thanks for offering me the the ticket as, <laughs> as you couldn't go, Greg. Much much appreciated. I've been ill myself as well. I haven't even had the COVID vaccine, and I've I've been ill as well. So it's been a bit of a bad week for both of us. But it's been a good week. For Ollie Watkins, Greg, he got that call up to, to the England squad, and he he's done all he can. Really, he, he's come on and he's bagged a goal against against San Marino. And happy for him, yeah, really chuffed for him. I mean, you know, he, he's I love his story from
1: you know where he's come from up into the England squad. I think it's it's quite well told now, isn't it? Because he's he's been very much in the in the news a lot uh, in recent weeks and obviously recent months because of his performances for Villa. Yeah, I think I think couldn't have done much more, really, coming off the bench um, against San Marino, who obviously scored. OK, it's the, the worst team in international football, but you, you've still got to go and, and score the goals. You know, Jesse Lingard had plenty, plenty of chances and couldn't do that. Um, and and yeah, I think well, he might have only had four or five touches. One, one was a goal. Another one was a, a brilliant almost assist for Bellingham, who, who probably should have scored. And then a couple of other touches around the box so yeah I think the big smile on, on Ollie Watkins face says it all and you know that you could see from the celebrations the way that the players congratulated him that um, you know they've instantly taken to him he's a very you know he's a smashing lad a really nice kid um, and uh, and obviously a very good player as well.
0: Yeah he comes across as a, a genuinely nice and a, and a humble guy doesn't he I don't know whether you saw his interview post match after the game He he just looks absolutely made up uh, how, how we would be if, if we achieved anything and played football for, for our country. He just seems like a genuinely humble lad who's just a really, really appreciates where he is in, in his life now.
1: Yeah, totally. And, you know, that it's nice, isn't it, to see footballers like that because, um, you know, our supporters and and people on the, the outside, we, we kind of stereotype football players now and think that they're, you know, quite arrogant and, you know, obviously they're all millionaires, aren't they, in the Premier League? But... Um, we sometimes forget that, you know, they're just normal human beings as well. So to see somebody so humble and grounded as Watkins doing so well for Villa and doing well for his national team now, you know, he's very pleasing. So good luck to him. I think it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd still be tough for him to get into the squad because there's plenty of competition. But, um, you know, it'll be down to him now how he finishes the season because... I think he hasn't scored a goal, has he, since Jack Grealish hasn't played um, for Aston Villa. So it's kind of, you know, it's down to him now to get back in and amongst the goals. And and, and if he finishes the season strongly, hopefully he'll get in that England squad for the Euros. It's
0: been a good season for Villa with England as well. Obviously, Jack made his debut right at the start of the season as well. And to be fair, he was quite humble about the whole England experience as well, wasn't he? He spoke about how much it means to him. It's nice to see these good guys getting the chance for Villa and getting the chance for the country?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think in Tyro Mings, in Jack Grealish, in Ollie Watkins, you've got three very different people there, but also three, you know, really likeable fellas as well. You know, they all bring different qualities to the team. You know, they're all very different people, as I said. Um, Mings is somebody who, you know, you, you would want to fight your corner if, if there's... Um, you know, if there's an ongoing battle, either on the pitch or off the pitch, he speaks so eloquently, doesn't he? I, I ended up watching the Tottenham game um, before, uh, sorry, the Tottenham game on TV, as I said, because I was ill. And um, you know, I seen I seen Ming speak so eloquently about racism before, yeah. um, before the before the game. So, you know, you look at somebody like him, he's, he's he's a role model, isn't he? Now he's a role model for for you know, young to middle aged people. Um Jack Grealish is very different. We've obviously seen him in the stands with his uh, you know, his his flash clothes and you know, he's he's more of a, an icon in a different way, isn't he? But also a very likable lad, you know. We we all love Jack Grealish at the Athletic, don't we? And um and then Ollie Watkins comes in with his more sort of humble um ways. So they all bring different things to the party, but they're all really good
0: lads. Great, they could they could all get to the Euros. Mingsy's interview was exceptional on Sky before the game last week. I think he's a, not only a great ambassador for Aston Villa, but I think he's a great ambassador for football in, in the way he speaks and the way he carries himself as well. So it's, it's great to see him involved with England still as well. Again, his rise over the last few years has been really, really incredible. Just going back to Watkins, knowing what he's like when he came on, he would have put massive pressure on himself to score, wouldn't he? And if he'd have come off that pitch without a goal, you imagine he would have been disappointed just by the way he carries himself usually and how much he put he puts demands on himself as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because I think any striker coming on in, in such a game will see that as an opportunity. They know that they're probably going to get one or two chances um, you know, against a very, very weak side. So it's about putting that chance away. And Watkins got his one chance and scored. So yeah, you know, he, he would have been delighted. But yeah, at the same time. He does put a lot of pressure on himself because he genuinely goes into every game backing himself to score, expecting to score. And if he doesn't score, he comes off disappointed. You know, we know that because that's the type of character he is. Um, I think even if you think back to the the Liverpool game where he scored a hat trick, you know, he was, his post-match interview, he said he was disappointed because he actually left a couple more out there. You know, he, he, he come off genuinely believing he should have had five goals and, you know, he probably should have to be fair because he hit the bar didn't he and hit the post once or did he hit the... he missed, a, he missed a couple of he missed good missed a couple of good chances but you know that that's the type of player he is he doesn't rest on his laurels he always wants to improve um, and it's great to have players like that for Villa I presume yeah
0: and he's he's given himself a chance as well I know you're a little bit younger than me but I don't know whether you remember De Rice made his England debut in the March of 2002. Hadn't played for England before, obviously, as, it, as it's his debut, as I just said. But then he manages to force his way into, into Sven's England squad and he, and he goes over to, to Japan and, he ta- and Korea and he takes part in the World Cup. Watkins has given himself a chance of, of repeating that kind of thing, hasn't he? I think that was the last person to score on, on his debut for England, who, who was a Villa-based player as well for Cell. So it's been a long time since that happened. Has he given himself a genuine opportunity, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, you're just bringing back memories of the uh, J- Japan and Korea World Cup now. Yeah. I remember yeah, I was uh, 5 a.m. To watch trying, games. trying to skive off school. I think I was in year 10 or 11. I can't remember. And I was trying to skive off school watching the games. I think my dad allowed me to watch one of them at home. <laughs> because England played one of the games when we were supposed to be at school, I remember. And, yeah, there um, a
0: few things. I was and- doing exams. I yeah. remember watching an England game just before I was about to go and do an exam. I probably, probably <laughs> didn't do great in the exam, I'm going to imagine.
1: No, so, um, yeah, obviously, you know, I remember sell playing for England. And, um, you know, but just going back to Watkins, I, I think he has given himself a chance. I think, I, I don't know, if Tammy Abraham's fit, it's a toss up between him and, and Abraham, between Watkins and Abraham for me. I think if you look at, I mean, let's be honest, look, Harry Kane's going to start, so neither of those two are going to play. So you're looking at what could. Potentially, Ollie Watkins or Tammy Abraham do off the bench. So, if you're looking for a get uh, for a goal out in a game, I'd probably back Abraham to get a goal over Watkins. I think that. But then, if you're looking for maybe um, a striker to come and stretch the defence, I'd prefer Watkins because the way he presses the defender. So, Gareth Southgate will be weighing up all these options. You know what, which player is going to suit, the, you know, the style that England need the most, and I think. The challenge for Watkins now is to finish the season stronger because Southgate has shown that he will pick players who are on form. You know, he's not going to turn to every single player who's on form. There is going to be players in the Premier League who are on form and and, and miss out of the Euros, but... Watkins now, if he can go and score five or six goals in, in the last what, 19, 11 games, however many Villa have got left, I can't remember, um, then you know he, he's got a really good chance.
0: But he's got two more games as well, hasn't he, that he, he could potentially make an appearance in this week. If he gets one one or two more goals, he, he really puts himself in the window of opportunity for getting picked there. I don't think he'll make it because I think Southgate will only take three strikes because I think the fact that through the COVID pandemic, the squads have been so big. So it's been like, it was a 26-man squad for this one. It was a 30-man for the couple of squads before I think that's given a false sense of how many forwards he'll take. I actually think he'll only take three strikers and I include Rashford in that. I don't think Rashford will play up front, but I think he would be the third striker in case of an emergency. So I think you've just got Kane and calvert Lewin, and then Rashford. And then I think it'll be a selection of the the many, many attacking players we've got out wide that, that get taken as well. So I don't actually think there's a space there, but all he can do is give himself a chance. And if it is too soon for this tournament, he's young. He's got he's got plenty more tournaments to put himself in the window for, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think I think what you say there makes sense because, look, England are going to heavily rely on Harry Kane, aren't they? You, yeah. you know, as an England Always fan, I, I want Harry Kane to be playing every single minute because you know that at any point he's good for a goal. So it's the support team around him, really, that I think Gareth Southgate doesn't quite know what, what what was going to work best yet? Whether it would be Sancho, whether it be Grealish, whether it would be Sterling, whether it be Rashford, you know who who do you fold and who do you put him in and around them? So many options. Um, but yeah, I think might it might be might be difficult for Watkins to force his way in just purely because there's so many other players ahead of him. But you know, let's uh as you say, if he gets a couple more goals in these internationals, if he gets the chance, and he finishes the season with the flourish, then he's going to be very hard to ignore.
0: Yeah, I think the, these next two games will, will be key for him. If he can get a couple of goals, put himself ahead of, of Danny Ings and, and Tammy Abraham, then he's in a good position. And it's very rare you'll go into a tournament with everyone fit as well. So if there's injuries, he wants to be the, the one that's there. There's been pl- countless players over the year that have ended up going to tournaments that weren't in the initial squad and end up getting called in because of injuries. So he's just got to do the best he can and put himself and give give himself that chance to, to, to get that into that final squad if anything does happen. Obviously, we don't want him to, but if anything does happen to anyone else, so good night for John McGinn as well, Greg, on the international front. Could do some goals for Villa, John McGinn. Stop scoring all your goals for Scotland. We could we could do some goals for Villa, couldn't we? But it was good to see him scoring. He's a good goal as well in the 2-2 draw against Austria.
1: Yeah, yeah, brilliant goal. I mean, you know, that's the John McGinn we've grown to know and love at Villa, isn't it? And yeah, you're certainly right, Dan. The, the midfielders need to be chipping in with goals at Villa because there isn't a midfielder at Villa scoring at the moment. Um, isn't anyone scoring? Well, yeah, yeah, true. Um, what is it, three goals in seven games? I don't know. seven games, I think. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, you know, it's it's tough without Jack Grealish, isn't it? You know, Villa need to find a way to play without him. But just going back to McGinn, you know, another smashing lad, obviously a very proud Scott. Um, And and hopefully that will do him. The world of good, you know, the world of good, really, because it it, it hasn't quite gone for him this second half of the season. You know, he hasn't hasn't taken his game to a new level. You know, he's kind of, He's still at the, he's still at the same level, isn't he? You're he, waiting for him to just kick on a bit, and um, probably didn't think I'd be saying that about John McGinn because we've just seen such an incredible rise from him from the second he, he came to Villa. You just expect him to go up and up and up, but um, you know there's still there's still time for him, and, and he'll obviously be looking forward to the Euros as well. I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing Scotland. I think they're
0: yeah, me too. Yeah,
1: you know, I Some think, decent I, players as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we've missed them as well from like the big tournaments in in you know. Recent years, I think that they're quite they're quite a fun team, and I think they'll be I think they'll be better than people expect. But you know, obviously, let's hope England get the three points against them. Um, But other than that, I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on.
0: Yeah, I think Steve Clark's done a good job. Scotland, I quite quite like Steve Clark. Obviously, he was at Villa for five minutes as well, but I've got a lot of time for Steve Clark and and the way he operates. I think he's a a good operator. And yeah, we do wish Scotland all the best, but obviously not against England.
2: courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to com slash courtside to learn more.
0: Greg, we've got a mailbag this week. I've oh, a, nice. a, a, bit, a bit old school, so yeah, some, some of the athletic people that listen to this podcast have, have sent in some questions, so I've picked out some for us to <clears> go through. It was a disappointing game against Spurs, wasn't it, just briefly. We don't want to dwell on it too much, but... You felt like there was something there for Villa, but weren't really brave enough. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that's probably the best word to describe to describe it. Yeah, just just not really brave enough. I, I wrote a piece earlier in the week saying that Villa have pretty much earned the right to go and just express themselves now in in these final few months of the season. They're not going down. They've picked up enough points to you know to make sure that they're a Premier League team next season. And what made them so entertaining and exciting at the start of the season was. The fact that they were having a go at teams, um, okay, it was counter-attacking football, wasn't it? But but you know there are different ways to win a game, and and, and Villa certainly showed that this season. So I think against Tottenham, I mean I, I wrote that Tottenham looked like a, a group of lads who had just come back from a from a stag do and were hungover. Yeah, so true. you know I just I just felt that they were there for the taking. I felt that if Villa up their energy levels. Um, and put it on them a bit more they could have got something from the game and you know Jose Mourinho's face in the first 15 or 20 minutes certainly showed that he was concerned by his team but Tottenham managed to obviously get the better of Villa in the end um, you know I don't think it's a, it's a massive surprise purely because Tottenham are a very good team and if we'd have said this at the start of last you know the start of the season it, it wouldn't have been too much of a surprise but They were just there for the taking and I'm just hoping that Villa can be a little bit bolder and braver in their approach going forward.
0: Yeah, hopefully Jack coming back for the Fulham game might might reignite us. I don't think it'll send us on a 10-game run like it did in the Championship, but it'll be good to have him back and I do think it'll give the place a massive lift because it does feel as good a season as it's been. It does need something to change it at the moment. I think Jack coming back could possibly be that catalyst. Let's move into the questions. Then we've got one from Matt C here that says if form carries on at a point per game for the rest of the season, that's two-thirds of the season that's been in relegation form, should Dean Smith be worried? Uh yeah, it's a good it's, it's a big if, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question from Matt. I understand, I understand Villa fans' concerns, you know, I understand where they feel that their team might be heading because um, you know, the recent results, but I'm not sure worried is the right word at this time. I mean, Smith Smith showed that he can navigate his way through difficult scenarios, hasn't he? Um, all through his time as a manager. I think possibly it's more of an eye-opener to those in charge, you know, who will be thinking, maybe let's give this manager who's done so well for us since he's come in some better players in the next window because he needs
0: them. You know, I think it might be more of an eye-opener for them rather than Smith. Yeah, I think they'll have probably looked at Jack being out and looked right. This is a chance for some of the players to step up in the in the front positions. And they haven't really done it, have they? So like, I think I think you're right. I think I don't think Dean Smith should be worried. I think Dean Smith's got so much credit in in the bank. And I think the owners and Perzlo et Etel behind the scenes, I think they unequivocally they, they back him, don't they? They, yeah. they want Dean to be a success and they're, they're gonna back him. And there's been enough progress this season to say Dean Smith isn't going anywhere, and I still am in the mindset as a fan. I want Dan Smith here for years at the football club.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's how the owners feel. The owners love the the local connection that he's got. You know, the fact that he was a Villa, you know, the fact that a Villa fan and, um, you know, he can resonate with supporters in that way. It's, it's a truly unique scenario, but it's not just the fact that he's got that connection to the club. He's a very, very good, astute manager. You know, he showed what he can do. He got the club up, he kept the club up, and now they're heading for a mid-table finish. I mean... It, it, it frustrates me when I when I think, you know, that I look at some of the other clubs and across the country who are struggling and, you know, clearly there are struggles there and, and have been in recent years. But at Villa, they're on a nice upward trajectory. Just accept that they can't... You've got to accept that it's not going to... They're not going to become cha- a Champions League team immediately. It's going to take time. It's different these days. You know, when Villa were rising through the divisions... Um, in years gone by it it was different then because you know you can work off that momentum but now there are clubs in the the Premier League who've been established for so long that they've got so much financial power behind them they've got so much um, you know ahead of Villa already it's just difficult to bridge that gap so quickly you have to it has to you have to accept that it takes time that is just modern football now. You you just cannot break in that quickly, and if you do, it's it's a miracle story like Leicester City.
0: And those kind of things don't happen very often. Staying on the same kind of theme, I'm going to move to, to Adam Wright's question, and he just wanted your opinion on this, Greg. He was very clear. Ask Greg. He didn't want to know. did not know what Dan thinks. Just wanted to know what Greg thinks. Will FFP scrapping make a difference to Villa's transfer plans? Um, yeah. Look, it's a good question, and
1: it's obviously come up, hasn't it, at the moment. Um because of the the discussions amongst some of the higher profile clubs in Europe. I think, I think FFP needs to be reformed, doesn't it? Because of COVID. I mean, whether it becomes any less stringent remains to be seen, but the thing that perhaps needs addressing is that FFP has always been based around a three year cycle and it's, it's how much a club can lose. Well, we're now in a period where no English football club could have ever prepared for. So the conversations between clubs at the moment are whether to assess FFP on the present and the future, not the past. So I think, I think what need, I don't don't look, I don't know what's going to change because I don't know what UEFA and and the other bodies are are discussing, but if there are changes, then you would think that it would benefit Villa because if they become less stringent, then um, it will allow Villa to spend a little bit more, than perhaps they would have previously been able to under the other um, rules and regulations. And we all know that that Nassif Suarez and Wes Edens want to spend big. They want to take Villa on to the next level, but they have to work under the parameters that, that are set by um, you know, the relevant bodies. So... It, it, it's good news for Villa if things change. I think because it just means they might be able to spend a little bit more. They can up, They could potentially start paying players a little bit more, splash out even bigger on transfer fees, um, and not have to worry about those um, those those calculated
0: losses. Yeah, because let's face it, we've spent a fair whack of money in the last the last two summer transfer windows anyway. And the owners have been sensational since they've come in. I think the club will be planning to spend big in the summer anyway. Like you say, this could potentially be be a good thing because it could mean that the the shackles are off even further and that they can spend more money than they were originally going to. They have still been tied by financial fair play. As much as they've spent money in the last two two summer windows, they still have have had to factor in financial fair play. So that being less of a problem will only be a good thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we do in the summer because as well, it's the first time the club has been able to plan for what league they've been in for eight seasons. Because they've they've not they've not known, have they? It's been flux between championship and premier league, which league will we be in? Now they, they know, so they'll be able to get plans in way ahead of time than they have been able to in the past, won't they, Greg?
1: Yeah, and that works twofold. You know, the fact that they've got um this additional time to plan means that they can spend a lot more time doing the due due, due diligence on various players. Um, you know, they can look closely at certain positions that they want to improve. And then potentially get better players in, you know, if they've had more time to to assess them. But then on the other hand, the pressure's a little bit more on now because, yet they have had this time. So, you know, fans and supporters are expecting the people, the players to come in to, to settle in straight away. Um, and also, the expectation levels are going to be higher next season because, for example, if Philadelphia do finish mid table, the expectation is always to improve. So you're then looking at trying to finish somewhere between 6th and ninth, and that is a really difficult task. So, yeah, you know, it can work both ways, but I I hope that it works in Villa's favour because I think what we've seen is the recruitment has been successful by and large, hasn't it? You know, the the, the, 12 or 13 players that came in, well, I think 16 players in total, wasn't it, for the 2019-20 season... Effectively, okay, they didn't all they didn't all come off, but they did the job and they stayed in the Premier League. And the majority of players who play regularly now have, imp- have increased in value and improved as players. Um, and and the last window was very successful. You know, three out of the four English-based signings um, have, have kicked on. You know, Martinez, Cash, and uh, Watkins hasn't worked out for Ross Barkley, but you can't expect every every signing to work. Um, and and you know, Troy Ori and Sanson. Coming from France, it was always going to be difficult for them to settle in, but, you know, hopefully one of the two works. So I think by and large that Villa's recruitment has been very good Um, and they just need to carry that now into the next window.
0: Yeah, Dean Cafferty here on the transfer theme says, should Villa aim high with a target to name for players that aren't getting a game for top teams at the moment? And then he goes on to name check Van der Beek and Cater. And you could argue that Villa did that this summer with Ross Barkley. He was at a top club in Chelsea, wasn't going to get a game and they, they snapped him up on low. Where, where do you sit with that? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure of the two individuals, Dean. I, I don't know whether there's any, um, you know, any serious interest in those yet. I, I can certainly check them out. Um, I'm also a little bit wary, actually, of, 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 of you know play, Villa going and signing players that potentially are damaged goods at the moment. You know, it just hasn't worked for van der Beek, has it? Uh, Kate, Kate has been in and out of the team. I, I'm not sure he's, you know, necessarily damaged goods. But... Um, I think it's better for Villa to go and sign players if at all possible who are in a good place already and coming into the club with some momentum. So all I know is that Villa will be targeting the next level of player in the summer. That's for sure. And um, you know whether whether they whether they're looking at players who are who are underperforming for big teams um, or players who've got a bit more momentum. You know, I don't know yet, but I just think that it helps if they've got momentum coming into the club.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking while you were talking there, obviously, have, I named Chet Barkley as kind of been the mold that Dean's mentioned there in January on, on social media, everyone was calling for Villa to, to sign Ross Barkley. Let's get that deal done permanently. Let's get it over the line. Let's get, let's get him in early. If the club had acted on that and done that, and that, then he was now in the form that he's in, everyone would be absolutely slating the club, wouldn't they for, for, for doing the business early and not waiting for, for the summer. It's, that's something that probably goes and miss, doesn't it? The fans were demanding that we signed Barkley permanently in January now and no one wants him near near the starting lineup, even. It's it's weird how things change, isn't it?
1: Yeah, certainly. I I, I never understood that argument because I thought um, you know, that the, the price that the value that Chelsea have got on Ross Barkley is not going to increase, even if he had a really good season for, for Villa anyway. So I never really saw the benefit. I thought if if Villa turned that deal into a permanent one in January, it means that they can't go and do anything else. So Sanson, whether he whether he performed, whether he turns into a good player at Villa or not. That that deal wouldn't have been able to be done, um, and you've got the situation where why would you have signed somebody in January who's who's just been out injured for so long and and, he, and he's had quite a few injuries in his career, so you, you don't know about his durability anymore. Um, you know, it just never made sense to me. Just wait. The reason that they got him alone it, it is a benefit because it can actually you can actually spend a whole year, a whole season with him, see what he's like as a person, as a player what his injury record is going to be like, and then you decide at the end of the season... You know, it, it, it's a, it's a free trial, isn't it, almost?
0: Yeah, and he's he still...
1: You know, I'd I, I did I never got the argument.
0: No, he's still got time to, to turn it around and have a good end to the, to the season. And obviously, we've all got our fingers crossed that he does that, because if, if he does, Villa will have a good end to the season. Tyler O'Hanlon's asked who would we both pick for, for player of the season for Villa so far. I think we're probably both going to have the same answer.
1: I'm not sure. For me, it's still a toss-up between quite
0: a few players, I think. Oh, you can only pick one, Greg, for this. Only one. <laughs>
1: Well uh do you know, I'm really, really struggling this I'm hate to sit on the fence. So I think Martinez is probably the one that stands out for me. I think he's you know he's really helped settle Villa down. Um I think Cons has had a great season, but I'm gonna give it Matt target. I think he's oh, yeah. Been, yeah, I think
0: he's been great. Man. I think he's I don't been know why I sounded consist- so surprised there.
1: I think he's been consistently great every game. Um I I I, I don't recall him doing anything wrong, um, you know, of major note. I think he showed his durability this season, where some Villa fans thought he was a little bit soft previously. Um, And I think he's actually causing quite a few problems going forward now. So, yeah, it's maybe a little bit left field, but I'm going to say Matt Target.
0: I like it. I'm going to go with Emi Martinez, I think. You wouldn't have necessarily said that we needed a goalkeeper in the summer desperately because we had Heaton coming back and Jed Steer probably could have handled it for, for five, six games if he'd have needed to. But like you said, he's just taking it. upper upper level and the amount of clean sheets he's kept and the kind of character that he is and the amount of saves he's made as well I think yeah he he deserves it for me so far so I'd go for Big Emma if the award was being given out right now.
2: Don't forget if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet use bonus code theathletic and you'll get a 1 year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Doing a villa on Twitter says of the under 23s who should be looking for a loan move next season. I don't know whether you watch the the cup game in the week. I watch the under 18s game Greg. I was very, very impressed with th- three of the players that, that we've got there. Aaron Ramsey absolutely ran the show with Cardi Chukwemeka in, in, in midfield. And Kessler Hayden obviously got on the score sheet as well. He looks very good at right back. You could argue a couple of them don't need loans and they, they could be ready for the for the first team very soon. Do you think anyone will... Well, to answer the question first, does anyone need a loan move? Let's go with the question before I add my own little spin on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. Look, you know, it, 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 will, it will all depend on the... In, in the on the individual I think if you're a defender you typically need to go down to a lower division you know experience the rough and tumble of men's football I suppose if you look at Reese Williams at Liverpool he went from playing at Kidderminster on loan last year didn't he to to the Champions League with Liverpool Um, Dom Revan will return a much stronger player from his time at Weymouth he's helped he's helped Weymouth keep a lot of clean sheets you know there there were some uh, reservations shall shall we say over whether he could actually become a very good, you know, a centre back because of his size. You know, he's, he's quite small, and uh, some of the coaches I spoke to suggested that he might become actually a better right back in or left back. You know, in, in times going forward, but he's shown at Weymouth that, that he that he can be a be a solid centre half. So, um, I think if you're a defender, you're probably looking out to get looking to go down a little bit lower than maybe one of the attackers, um, because you want to experience that that real, you know, rough and readiness. Uh, yeah, you know, Ramsey, as you mentioned, I think he's now getting to a, to the stage where his brother Jacob was at before his loan move to Doncaster. So if he keeps scoring for the under-23s, he needs to take his football to the new level. Now he needs to go and play men's football. I think he would be the one really that stands out for me as as needing a loan move, um, you know, early into next season. Um, you know, it's, look, it's no use him going to a championship club who are fighting for relegation. He'd be much better going to... A League One or League Two team who are fighting for promotion, uh, maybe a bit like O'Hare with Coventry, so he can express himself more and there's less pressure on defending. If if, if that makes sense, um, and then I suppose it's it's a case of monitoring monitoring the others quite closely. Barry will need a loan spell at some time at some point, won't he? Philogene Bidase, he'll also need to move out. You know, I, I look at say Harvey Barnes who who went out into League One and then went into the Championship and and is now continuing his rise for Leicester in the Premier League and, um, you know, potential for the Euros if he gets back and fit. So these type of players, these attacking flair players, they need to go out and show what they're made of in the lower leagues first and then come back to Villa in really good form. So um, th- there's plenty. It's, I think it's a really good, it's a really healthy under-23 team, isn't it? And I suppose Carney's maybe the one that would benefit from from staying at Villa, I think, at this stage. You know, he's very young. He's younger than all of them. Um, and, uh, you know, he might actually just benefit from from
0: from sticking around and maybe being used from time to time in the first team. It'd be nice to see a couple maybe get bloodied before the end of the season. As there's no danger of us going down at all. I know that the owners as well, they just keep pumping money into, into the academy. I mean, we are so, so lucky to have the owners that, that we have. And what, what I like about them as well is, is that I don't think Fans of other clubs realize how powerful they are and how much clout they've got. It kind of goes under the radar in the in the national and the and in the international media. We're in such such a good place with that. And that they have put some serious financing behind the academy and they continue to do so.
1: Yeah, they do certainly. You know, they've put a lot of money into the women's team as well. And, you know, that that's gonna that's that's gonna help them in the future as well, because we've just seen the TV deal announced for for the women's super league and it, you know that's potentially very lucrative. You know, I think it's worth seven million a year, isn't it? Or something like that for, per, per season. So um, you know, Villa, are, Villa are looking at areas where they can become more self-sustainable and they believe that developing their own talent and improving the women's team, that can help them in the future. And if, if they can slowly start producing one or two players a season, It's going to save them hundreds of millions of pounds over the course of maybe four or five years.
0: Yeah, the women's team need to stay up, don't they? In in a little bit of trouble at the moment. It kind of feels like the the identity that was there over the last few years has has waned a little bit at the moment. Results haven't been good, performances haven't been good, but hopefully they'll be able to turn it round and stay up. We'll finish with the top three. Greg, and I've been tasked this week with top three England performances from Villa players. I've had to go, obviously, in my time against it's David Platt and Italia 90 as missed out. I was only five at the time. And I don't really remember that. And being honest, there wasn't much to choose from. I went through and I thought I must be missing something obvious here when I picked my three and I wasn't, that there hasn't been a lot to shout about with Villa and England players really Well Villa players playing for England over the last few years. Has there at all? No, <laughs> not
1: really. Um, racking my own brain stinky. And I suppose, Big Hugo getting his goal at Villa Park against Spain in the 3-0 win. That might be he one. He wasn't
0: playing wasn't playing for Villa then. Oh, was no, he for, not? Right. Okay, yeah. fair enough.
1: <laughs> it, was, it, was <laughs> <of China. laughs>
0: it was hard to think, It was hard to find anything. So one that we've already mentioned, I've gone with Vassell scoring his bicycle kick on his debut against Holland. I've actually interviewed him around that goal before in the past. And I guy Darius, and that was that was a great moment and obviously catapulted him into the into the international scene and got him to a to a couple of tournaments. So I remember celebrating the life out of that when I was younger, when when he (laughs) scored that. That was a sensational debut goal. I think he was playing up front with Michael Ricketts at the time. It was like a a strange England side for that game. I think George Botan made his Holland debut as well the the same night. So that was a very Villa-centric evening. So, yeah, I've gone for Vassell in third. Second one I've gone for that only happened about (laughs) maybe six months ago. It's just the Grealish performance against Belgium, playing against one of the the best teams in the world. I, I just thought, again... He catapulted himself into the international scene. Everyone was talking about him. Kevin De Bruyne wanted his shirt. So that, that speaks absolute volumes. That's Kevin De Bruyne, is Jack's favourite player to watch in the world at the moment. So for that to happen, and I think that's where we started to think, yeah, he's, he's going to the Euros, isn't he, Grealish? So I've gone with that at number two, and I'm looking forward to seeing him strutting his stuff for Villa in England again very soon. Number one, Gareth Southgate, your, just Euro 96 in general. That was my, my first tournament proper tournament that i remember that was the first tournament that i'd watch england playing as a kid and euro 96 will forever always be my my favorite international tournament i don't think it will ever be replaced and to see a villa player as a kid playing center half for england was quite quite inspiring he'd only had one season at villa as well pretty much come from nowhere to get into that england setup and southgate did it Had an excellent tournament we won't talk about the penalty miss but he was just brilliant in that tournament, playing next to Tony Adams, and that's a fond memory I have of a Villa, Villa player playing for his country. Some good memories, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Southgate one—I just used to get
1: so frustrated with him because of the penalty miss. But you know, get becoming older and and and, and more wise to football, you know, you now re- realize how good of a tournament he actually had. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, taking away the taking away the penalty miss, of course. But, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Good memories, mate. I've got strong memories of that tournament. This is going to sound like a completely fabricated story. It's a bit of a stupid story. I don't know why I'm finishing with it. I tend to be finishing with stupid stories at the end of podcasts nowadays. So, you remember them little football men with the big heads? Yeah. I had every Villa player at the time I had. And Southgate obviously missed the penalty. I remember being devastated. I was like crying. I was crying my eyes out that England had gone out. I was absolutely devastated. I think I was ten. At the time, I went back upstairs to my bedroom and I used to have all the Villa players lined up on my line like, on, like a, a shelf. And when I got to my room, Garasaka was on the floor. The big Ed Garasaka was just lying on the floor. He's the only one. He just fell down. That's weird. So he just missed the penalty. And then Garisalka, it was the football man. If that football man hadn't have fell, that penalty would have gone in. <laughs> I reckon my mum knocked it over clean. She doesn't care about football. <laughs> she doesn't know about stuff like that. But yeah, I've just got memories of like, I'd be crying my eyes out and then I walked back upstairs and the big head Gareth Southgate was on my bedroom floor, the only That's one. That's pretty mad, that is, to be fair, the only player to be on the floor. It's, it could have, been, could have been anyone, Gareth Southgate there uh, with his, with his big, big head, just sat on the floor. And if that had stayed on the shelf, England could have won you or nice, Everything could have been different, Greg.
1: We'll blame it all on your mum then.
0: Yeah, it could have been her. She, she loves to clean. She's always getting involved in stuff she shouldn't But So, yeah, I reckon she's she's the, the cause of England being knocked out of Euro 96. I think that does us a strange <laughs> end to the podcast again for the second week running. But thanks ever so much for talking to me. Greg will be back next week. Looking forward to the Fulham game and maybe talking about some more Ollie Watkins goals for England as well. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Have a good weekend, mate. Cheers, pal.